Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter number 19. Luke chapter number 19. And uh, when you find your place there, we'll begin in verse number 1. And we will read down to verse number 10. Luke chapter number 19, verse number 1 through verse number 10 this morning. So I'll begin reading here. You can uh, just follow along. The Bible says in verse number one, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste, and came down, and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood, and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. And verse number 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. I'm entitled the message this morning, Discovering Jesus. And so we'll go ahead and pray again, and uh, we'll ask God to bless the message now. And uh, I'm kind of getting a little nervous, and so let's go ahead and pray, and I know God will help me with that. Father, we thank you so much just for uh, this time that we can enter your word now. I pray that you just uh, help uh, each and every one of us, Lord, that we uh, be met by you. We pray that your Holy Spirit will fill this room. Uh, but you also pray that your Holy Spirit will fill me and uh, help me, uh, not to say anything that I shouldn't, but to say what I should, and uh, to be able to uh, carefully and... Uh, um, Lord, be able to uh, pronounce and, 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 and uh, proclaim your word this morning, and uh, we'd all be helped uh, as a result of it. And so we ask you all these things in Jesus' name. I do pray. Amen. So discovering Jesus, right? Uh, when it comes to discovery, uh, we like to find things. I know... Um, we like to find good things. Uh, no one wants to find anything bad, but we like to find the good. Uh, maybe you uh, go to a mall or something and you find a sale and uh, you think to yourself, oh yeah, it's $120. And so uh, the sale says uh, it, it normally is 140. And so 120, I'm saving $20. And uh, I always kind of think of that as a scam because you're thinking, well, I need to buy this now because this might never happen again. And uh, the salespeople did their job because you just spent $120 that you normally wouldn't have spent. And so really, you think you're saving money, but you just lost money. And uh, we love to discover stuff like that, though. And uh, maybe we like to discover money. I know that's always fun. I, the other day, I, I uh, put on a jacket for the first time um, this year, um, or at least uh, since summer. And uh, I put my hand inside my jacket pocket, and I found a dollar bill, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? That's always fun. You like to discover money, uh, right? Uh, but whether uh, it's discovering money, we discover opportunity. I was reading uh, the story this week about a Chinese doctor uh, who couldn't land a job here in America. And so what he decided to do is he says, you know what, I'm going to open my own clinic. And so he goes on, the story goes on to say that um, to, to kind of get his business started, he uh, put out a sale. Here we go with a sale, right? And, uh, or he put out uh, just a kind of little incentive. And he put a sign outside that read, Get treatment for $20. If not, get $100 back. So 
An American lawyer walks past and he looks at this sign and he's thinking, wait a minute. If I go in there and I get cured, I have to pay them $20. It makes sense. But if they can't find a cure for me, I get $100 back. He's thinking to himself, here's my opportunity to make some money. So he's thinking, all right, how can I get him? And he's thinking to himself, okay, I got something. Now, I don't know if this is pre-COVID, post-COVID, but for whatever reason, the symptom he decided to give was that he lost a sense of taste. And uh, he goes into this, this, uh, uh, this clinic and he says, hey, I've lost my, tense, my sense of, uh, of taste. So the Chinese says, all right, nurse, bring medicine from number 14, uh, uh, from box number 14 and put three drops in patient's mouth. And so the nurse comes, puts three drops in the patient's mouth and the lawyer immediately gets up and is like, oh, this is kerosene. What are you doing? You're trying to kill me. He's mad and he's, he's upset. The Chinese looks at him and says, hey, your taste is restored. Now give me $20, All right? And so he, he's, he's mad, he's fuming, he's like, oh. So he goes home and he's thinking about that and he's like, uh-uh, I'm not losing this one. And so he says, no, I gotta think of something else. I gotta think of something better. And so he says, all right, I got something. He goes then and he says, hey, I've lost my memory. The nurse looks at him and says, okay, you, you can't remember anything? Okay, gotcha. He says, nurse, bring medicine from box number 14, put three drops in his mouth. Nurse comes in, puts three drops in his mouth, and he's, this is kerosene again. You just gave this to me the last time I was here. Chinese looks at him, hey, you got your memory back. Nice, give me $20, right? And so he's mad, he goes, he's at home. At this point, he's lost $40, and so now he has to get this $100 back. And so he's mad. He's, He's, he's thinking, how can I get, how can I get him? It's like, I got it. He goes into this clinic, which I'd, I'd, I'd be with him here. He goes to this clinic and he says, hey, doc, my eyesight, man, it's, it's, it's gone. It's become very weak. I can't see at all. He says, um, you got anything? The doctor looks at him, oh, well, I don't have medicine for that. He says, all right, well, I guess a deal's a deal. Here, take this $100. The lawyer starts, <laughs> got it, finally. He looks down, doctor gave him $20. He says, hey, this is $20. You said you'd give me $100. He says, hey, your eyesight's restored. Hey, give me my $20. And uh, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm sure that was not a discovery he wished he had found that day. I'm sure he, he was kind of mad that he ever ran across that clinic and he saw that sign. But you know, whatever the discovery may be, you know, uh, it, it might be uh, good sometimes, it may be bad sometimes, but good discoveries we love to find. And uh, the greatest discovery, I think you and I can agree, I think some of us in here would definitely resonate with this, the greatest discovery we can find is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that is the greatest thing we will ever, the, per, the greatest person we will ever discover. Because when we discover who he is, it will change everything. Finding Jesus will change our lives this morning. And so in our passage, uh, we see an example of this. We see the story of what it means for a person to discover who Jesus is and how that manifests itself into their lives. And so uh, just by context, as we think about where we are in Luke chapter number 19, we see uh, this where Jesus is at. We see his path right now. He's entering into his final weeks before his sacrifice on Calvary. And so um, he's, he's now started to become very popular. His fame has spread. And uh, this was after the time he'd, he'd raised Lazarus from the dead. This was after the time in verse number or in chapter number 18. He had 
uh, just healed a blind man. And so as he come through, the Bible says in verse number one, as he passed through Jericho, uh, there's a crowd behind him. And uh, there's people that's no doubt heard of these miracles that they're, they're, they want in on some of this. They want, in, uh, they want to see what he can do for them. And so as these people gather, we see amongst these people, the Bible introduces a man named Zacchaeus. And uh, this guy, the Bible gives us a description right away of who he actually was. And so we see his description, and in his description, it gives us his position. And so his position uh, was that he was a powerful man. And so in verse number two, it says, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among publicans. So uh, important to know, the publican or a publican was a tax collector. And so he was responsible for going around getting the taxes from people. And uh, the problem with this is that uh, the agreement that tax collectors had with, with Rome at that time uh, was that tax collectors can get, receive the taxes, take it to Rome. And Rome would say, well, whatever extra you got, that's between you and, uh, and, uh, and the person. And so tax collectors were known to be crooks. They were known for overcharging people and stealing their money. And so uh, nobody liked them. And the Bible says that he, Zacchaeus, was the chief. Yes, he was probably the biggest one, but the word chief referring to the fact that there was levels to this. And he was the chief, that meaning he had power over certain tax collectors, meaning he probably sent tax collectors to go and get taxes from people. And so he was uh, the chief among them. He had power. He, had, uh, he, he, he was a man that could tell you, hey, cough it up. He was a man that could tell people, hey, go and tell them to cough it up. He was a man of power. We also see that because of this power, he was a rich man. The Bible says in verse number uh, two that he was rich and not by good means. We know that the way that he got his money is by overcharging people. Really, he got he made his living by extortion. Right. Uh, he made his living not in an honest way. And so as we look at that, we realize that he was a sinful man. We realized that he was, he was a wicked man. Um, and he was a sinner just like, hey, we got something in common. You might not be powerful in here. You and I, we might not be powerful. We might not be rich. I know I'm not rich. But hey, I'm a sinner. He's a sinner. We rest, we, we kind of, now we have something that we can relate with this guy, right? He was a sinful man. He was a sinner. We know the Bible says, for there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. We know that the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we see that in his position, he was powerful. He was rich. But he was wicked, right? He was a sinful man. And so that's who we're dealing with this morning. That's the type of person that is looking, that we're going to see discovers Jesus this morning. We see his purpose. He then in verse number three, the Bible says, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was. He wanted to discover for himself, know that he had seen, he'd heard of, heard of miracles, know that he had heard of what Jesus was doing. He maybe saw the crowd and was like, why is everyone gathering around this Jesus? Who is this guy? I want to get to know him. And so the Bible says he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And so he desired to see Jesus, but he had a little problem. We know it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. I was talking to Pedro and Melanie yesterday, and, I, 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 and we were kind of just discussing this. And I was like, you know, it's kind of messed up. How would you like to have a song named after you for something that you couldn't control, right? And uh, we make fun of him. He was a wee little man. He was a short guy. Uh, but uh, it's kind of messed up that we have that song, but the truth of that song resonates even, even as a little kid. His problem that he was short. And so no doubt um, he probably would try to, to go and, and, of course, as a hated man, he, people didn't like him. He, you know, he probably uh, stole from them. And so he'd try and he'd say, hey, what's going on there? You're like, oh, 
Get out of the way. You're not getting in here. Forget it. Oh, yo, now you need something, Mr. Powerful. Get out of here. Right? So he probably, probably hated. Right? He was short. And so he couldn't. Uh, that was his problem. And uh, I know I, I kind of sympathize with this. Um, you know, I'm not tall. I'm, I, I think I'd, I'd say that I'm average height. Um, but I, always, I wasn't always average height. Um, when I was about seven or eight, um, I had a, 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 I have or have a cousin named, we call her Shan, and uh, she was taller than me. And uh, she would always pick on me and always remind me of it. And you say, well, why is it significant that she was taller than you? Well, she was the same age as I. I, I'm born, or I was born January the 18th, uh, 1993, and she was born January the 12th, 1993. And so same year, uh, she's older by six days, I guess. And so uh, for our age, we should have been the same height. But for whatever reason, at the age of seven or eight, she was way up there, man. And she would let me know it. She'd come she'd walk around calling me shorty. She'd walk around, uh, you know, playing keep away, put something inside her hand and say, hey, jump and maybe you'll get it. Or maybe she'd drop. And this, oh, this got me. She'll drop something on the floor and say, hey, you're closer to the ground. Pick it up. And oh, man, I hated that. I always, you know, I loved her. But I always remember, man, what a bully. Like, what in the world? And uh, over time, though, you know, by times I got 15 years old, I, my growth spurt had kicked in, and I was taller than her, and maybe I became the bully then, right? And, uh, but but uh, um, he, I, I resonate with him because he has some bullies in his life. He had some bullies. He had no friends and no doubt people, they beat, beat it, pit squeak. Maybe they made fun of him. Maybe they mocked him. And so he had some bullies. He didn't have friends. And so, yes, he was powerful. Yes, he was rich, but he probably was miserable. And uh, we see that in the life of many celebrities today, no matter how much money they have, no matter how powerful they are, no matter how much fame they have, they're miserable. They, they, they have nothing really in the grand scheme of things because they don't have Jesus. And so he was miserable and I like to think that he wanted some change. That's why he wanted to discover who Jesus was. And so he ended up finding the only one who could give him the change that he needed. And Jesus, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the only one that can give us the change that we need. The Bible says, neither uh, is there salvation in any other. Only salvation is through him. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Only Christ can make change. Only Christ can give us the change that we are looking for. Why? Because the Bible says, Jesus actually, as he says, he's speaking to the disciples, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to experience life, he says, experience me. He says, I'm come to give life. I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so you want to experience life, experience Jesus. We know that and our, our hearts resonate with that. And so just by way of introduction, you're probably thinking, wait a minute, am I supposed to be writing any of this down? No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell this story um, and then we'll, we'll get back and we'll, we'll see uh, just some kind of um, application of what we missed, some spiritual application. And so we see his description. He was powerful. He was rich. He was wicked man, right? Uh, his purpose, uh, he, he wanted to see Jesus, but he just had a problem. He was just too short. And because of that, we then get to the desperation of Zacchaeus. You look in verse number four, the Bible says, so... Uh, he wants to see them. They won't let him see him um, because he's too tall. And so therefore, the Bible says in verse number four, and he ran before and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way. Now, I like to imagine this. I like to, to visualize scenes in my mind. Imagine someone very powerful, someone very rich. All of a sudden, you know, there's a crowd gathering. You'd think that he would, he would be able to just get in there and be like, hey, I'm the most powerful man around here. What's going on here? 
But no, he couldn't get in. So what did he do? Desperation kicked in and he starts running. He runs. Imagine him running up that tree or climbing up that tree. I like to imagine that some people actually saw him doing it. It's like, what in the world is he doing? Here's a powerful man. Here's a rich man. Shouldn't this be, uh, shouldn't he be above doing such things? But you know, Zacchaeus didn't care. He, he didn't care how he looked. He said, I want to see Jesus and I'm going to see him. And so he climbed up in this tree. He ran ahead of them and he climbed up into this tree. And because of that, uh, we see he, he then is able to be detected. Right. We see uh, he was detected by Jesus. Verse number five, when Jesus came to the place, just as just as he said, right, Jesus is supposed to pass away. As Jesus comes to the place, he looks up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must abide at thy house. And so Jesus, as he, he comes past, he looks up and he sees him and he's sorry. All right, Zacchaeus, yeah, you have my attention. Come, come down. All right, today I'm coming to your house. Come down. Today I'm coming to your house and uh, we'll find out why that's important uh, in a little bit. And so we see he's detected and because he was detected, boy, that, oh, he's delighted now. He's, that gets him excited. We see his delight. We see he, just as Jesus says, Jesus says, hey, make haste. The Bible says in verse number six, he made haste. Verse number five says, and come down. The Bible says he came down. And he says, for today I must abide at that house. And what did he do? He received him joyfully. And so he's delighted. He's happy. He's so excited that Jesus wants to abide at his house. And so we see his delight. And then we see just a kind of flip of the scene. While this is happening and we have the, the joyous moment of Jesus and Zacchaeus, then we flip to verse number six and we see the disgust of the crowd. We see a crowd now that was following Jesus that, you know, we're probably telling Zacchaeus, hey, beat a pipsqueak. You, you're, you're, not, you're not supposed to even be here. If there's anyone that does not deserve Jesus, it's you. You steal money from people. I, could, I would imagine a lot of people were probably bitter at Zacchaeus. You know, he probably took some people's inheritance from them. He probably took uh, some people's, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, when you retire, retirement fund from them, right? Um, uh, he probably uh, took a lot of precious things from a lot of precious people. I would imagine some of those people probably hated him and thought that he was too far gone. And so as, as they see Jesus actually Going to him, I can imagine someone saying, of all these people here, you choose him? He doesn't deserve you. He doesn't deserve any help. Why would you help him? And uh, we see that they, in the process, judge Jesus. And then we see, as they judge Jesus, we see that it's because they're also judging Zacchaeus. When they saw it, they murmured, saying that he was going to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Whoa. So all of a sudden, they're not sinners. So all of a sudden, he's the only sinner. I'm just saying, uh, that's not the case. We're all sinners. We're, and, and for whatever reason, they forgot in that moment. They thought, I guess, they thought that his extortion was, was greater than their own personal sin. But that's not the case. All of there's the, the, the level at the cross is, is the, the ground at the cross is leveled. We're, we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. And so we see the disgust of this crowd. And in verse number eight, we see the difference that comes about in Zacchaeus' life. Verse number eight, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. We see that, number one, he calls Jesus Lord. Now that's going to be important. We're going to talk about that in a second. He calls Jesus Lord, and he also, as he kind of talks about giving to the poor, and he talks about uh, if he's taken from any man by false accusation, he's going to restore. We see kind of his heart starts to change. We see now that he kind of understands, you know, what I did was wrong. And we see he also gains a heart that wants to give. 
And so as Zacchaeus, we see this difference in him. We see why. There's a declaration made by Jesus in verse number 9. Verse number 9, And Jesus said unto him, This day his salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is the son of Abraham. Hey, Zacchaeus has received salvation. Zacchaeus, you in this house have received salvation. You know what he says in verse number 10, and this is my favorite part. In verse number 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You have received salvation, and I'm the one that gives it, friend. I'm the one that gives salvation. It's through me. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so I'm just saying, we look at this story. This is a nice uh, Sunday school story, no doubt. Maybe some of you probably even heard the story since you were in Sunday school, right? This is a nice Sunday school story. But this is a, a perfect story of what uh, discovering who Jesus is will do to a person. It will change your life. And so, I, and, and so I ask you this morning, has he changed you? Has he been changing you? Are you the same person that you were a few days ago? Are you the same person that you were a few weeks ago? A few months ago? A few years ago? What has Jesus changed in your life? Say, oh yeah, he doesn't really change much. He hasn't really changed much. I don't think you've met Jesus. Because Jesus will change your life. And he will continue to change your life the more you spend time with him. And so what does this mean? Well, we're going to get into the message here. And uh, as we see what Zacchaeus discovered, we're going to, we, we kind of, we see that story. We understand the, 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 the just the base, the, um, the general understanding of that story. But there's some spiritual application here that I think will help us. Um, as we see what Zacchaeus discovered about Jesus, it will help us to, really two things. Help us to understand what we can discover in Jesus, yes. There may be someone in here that's not saved, that has not um, um, accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. It will help you to understand what you can discover in this person we call Jesus. But also, if you, have discover, if you have discovered Jesus and you have professed Christ as your Savior, it'll help you to appreciate what you have discovered in Jesus. And, and that's my favorite part. And so this morning, four paralleling discoveries found in Jesus this morning. So I trust you have your notes. And so four paralleling discoveries found in Jesus. And so uh, number one, we see that as Zacchaeus uh, found, we can discover compassion. We can discover compassion. Verse number five lets us know. The Bible says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. See, Zacchaeus right there just discovered compassion. Here's why. For the first time in his life, someone gave him the time of day. For the first time, probably in a long time, someone cared enough about him to stop and, and look at him and say, hey, I see you. And likewise, Jesus, when we seek him, when we discover him, he will have compassion on him. We will understand that there is compassion waiting for us in Jesus Christ. Jesus won't reject us if we come to him. Uh, the Bible says, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. He won't reject us. The Bible says, and, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. If we're, if we're searching for the Lord this morning, he's not going to reject us. He, we, we will find him. And when we find him, we will see compassion. We saw Zacchaeus. He found compassion. Why? We see this compassion in the fact that Jesus saw Zacchaeus. And Jesus came to the place and looked up and saw him. He saw Zacchaeus where he was. And my friend, Jesus sees us where we are. Jesus sees us where we are. Hey, don't ever think that you're too bad for Jesus. Don't ever think that you're too weird for Jesus. Hey, you don't think when Jesus saw Zacchaeus, we know that he knows this. But he, 
when he saw Zacchaeus, he knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly of everything he ever did, everything he, he ever would do. And Jesus saw him, had compassion, stopped. I'd imagine if um, I knew that a guy was an extortioner, was hated, powerful, rich, and I'm walking past, and he's in the tree. Oh, well, first of all, I'm thinking, okay, you're weird. I'm out of here, right? That's just weird. I don't want some guy in the tree just looking at me. I'm, first of all, I'm thinking that's weird. But second of all, I'm thinking, not worth it. And that's what a lot of these people already thought. But Jesus is showing us, hey, everyone's worth it. Hey, no matter who it is, everyone's worth it. Uh, everyone's worth it. And so Jesus, we see Jesus is not prejudiced. Doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus is not prejudiced. He's not racist. Amen? He's not racist. He's not prejudiced. We see he saw Zacchaeus and he will see us no matter what's, what's going on. We see not only did he saw Zacchaeus, but he went the, the next, the extra mile and he sought Zacchaeus. He sought him. We see the Bible says, and, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come now for today. I must abide at thy house. Jesus sought Zacchaeus. He was fully aware of what he has done. And he still says, hey, it's you. It's you. He seeks Zacchaeus where he is, and he seeks us today where we are. No matter what we might have going on in our lives, right? No matter who we think we are and how bad we think we are, Jesus is seeking us right now. Jesus seeks us where we are. And so, Jesus, we see this compassion on full display as he, seeks, as he uh, sees Zacchaeus. He'll have compassion on us when we seek him. What a powerful truth. What a powerful truth. I'm just saying, have you experienced compassion from the Savior this morning? Have you experienced it? You say, oh, no, I haven't really experienced compassion. Well, he's a compassionate Savior. The Bible says, but thou, O Lord, we know God's compassionate God. The Bible says, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious and long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and in truth. He's a compassionate Savior this morning. Have you discovered that? We see, second of all, not only does Zacchaeus discover compassion, but he discovered certainty. He discovered certainty. Now, this crowd, uh, in verse number six, we see, or in verse number seven, we see they saw it, and they're mad, and they're murmuring, they're complaining. How dare he do that? And uh, Jesus and Zacchaeus, we like to see that there's the crowd over here, and they're looking along, and Jesus and Zacchaeus is going to Zacchaeus' house, and, and they're, they're about to have a good time, and the crowd's jealous over there that, that they weren't the ones chosen to, to, for Christ to come into their home. And in verse number eight, we see what happens as a result of this. Zacchaeus discovers certainty. We see Zacchaeus finds exactly what he was actually looking for. I like to say that he finds what he was looking for and more. I like to think that they're sitting at home. Zacchaeus is talking with Jesus, fellowshipping with him, getting to know him a little bit. And we see the Bible says, I like to think that in the midst of their talking, Zacchaeus is like, all right, stands up. The Bible says, and he stood. He stands up. All right, I've heard enough. Lord. I've, I've heard enough. I've, I've seen everything I need to see. I've heard everything I need to hear. Lord. And so he stands up and, and he's, I've, I've, I've seen it. You are him. And my friends, Jesus, he's that man. My friends, he is, he, he, that is him. That is, we will become certain of the truth when we discover Jesus like Zacchaeus did. We see Zacchaeus, how do, how do we know this for sure? Well, we see he stood and he said, behold, Lord. Now, why is this important? Well, he didn't say God. When a person says God, it's, it's recognition that, yes, he's the creator. That he has power and he's, he's done all of this. That the person recognized, they say God, that's recognition that he's the creator. When a person says Lord, 
that's recognition that he's the master. That he is the one that is in control. And so Zacchaeus, for probably the first time in his life, as he's, as he's making a life for himself, he's becoming rich, he's powerful. He says, Lord. You know, the only Lord Zacchaeus was to have was Caesar. It's the only Lord he was allowed to have. Boy, he stands up and proclaims, hey, you're Lord. Jesus, you are my master now. You're not just the author, you are the authority. You're not just the one that created it all. You're the one that's in control of it all. And you're the one that should be in control of my life. And therefore, I am placing you in control of my life. He says, you are Lord. And I'm just saying, you meet Jesus, you'll, you'll want him to be the, the authority in your life. You'll want him to control your life because he is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a, ma a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord this morning. He's Lord. But is he Lord of your life? Is he Lord of my life? He was Lord of Zacchaeus' life. We see he, he professes Christ as Lord, and then secondly, he perceived. He perceived sin is wrong. He perceived sin is wrong. And uh, uh, we see in verse number 8, he, see, he begins to say, The half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. What did he begin? He begins to understand. He starts hanging out with Jesus. He begins to understand, hey, well, man, what I'm, what I'm doing is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this. Hey, here's the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb right here. Here's the example of holiness. I am anything but holy. He starts to get, he starts to see, hey, what I'm doing is not okay. Hang around Jesus and that will happen to you. You hang around Jesus, start to change him. He started to show you things inside your life that's not okay. He started to show you things inside your life that you need, to, you need to deal with. When we hang around Jesus, we'll realize sin is not okay. If we know Jesus, we shouldn't be comfortable with sin. The, the Bible says that God actually hates sin. These six things, thus, uh, six things doth the Lord hate. Seven, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that devises wicked, uh, wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness, witness that speaketh, uh, speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things in there I struggle with. And God's hate, God hates that stuff. He hates sin. Not only does that we see that the hate of sin by God, but we also know that sin separates us from God. It's that God can't, God is holy, he can't deal with sin. He can't look at sin, he can't be around sin. And so it separates us from God. The Bible says in Isaiah, but your iniquities have separated you uh, between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And so we see that as, as he begins to hang out with Jesus, he realized, man, this sin, I got I to deal with this. This is not right. This is not okay. You find Jesus, you'll find truth. You'll find truth that he is Lord and he should be Lord of your life. But you'll also find truth that, hey, sin is not right. Sin, the, the things that we think are common in the world today are not right. And so we see Zacchaeus, he discovered certainty. And number three, I'd like us to see that he discovered conviction. He discovered conviction. And we can discover conviction 
if we would discover Jesus Christ. The Bible says in verse number 8, And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. So Zacchaeus now, in his heart, as he gets to know Christ, he discovers conviction. Being around Jesus made him realize, I can't live like this. I got to do something about this. Likewise, I'm just saying, when we spend time with Jesus, we sin, we won't be comfortable with it. We won't be comfortable around sin. We we'll can't, we'll can't help but want to do something. Why? Because there's a term that my youth pastor taught me when I was a teenager, nearness is likeness. You start hanging out with Jesus, you start spending time uh, with him in, in the word, you start praying with him, you start walking with him, you start trying to become like him. But in order to be like him, you can't sin. And you got to get, get rid of it. And so uh, with nearness is likeness. That becomes a reality when you hang out with Jesus. And so we see Zacchaeus, this reality, uh, he gained a repentant heart. He gains a repentant heart. He says, if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, he says, if by false accusation, here's his sin, by false accusation, calling out his sin. So I can't do it. If I've, if I've done anything wrong, I can't do it. He admitted to stealing from others. He confessed his sin and wanted to turn around from it and said, I can't do this anymore. May we never just recognize sin. Surely we should recognize it, but should we, may we never recognize sin and don't do anything about it. Not be willing to do anything about it. Because Zacchaeus, he gained a repentant heart, and then we see he gained a remedial heart. Now this one's going to be, uh, this, bear with me as I try to illustrate this. He gained a remedial heart. He says in verse number 8, I restore him fourfold. Okay, so Zacchaeus wanted to fix what he'd done. Okay, uh, we understand that. That makes sense. Um, he, he couldn't love like Jesus and not love the people that Jesus loved. We understand that. And so he wanted to help others. But in the process, he realized, okay, well, I've wronged others, so I need to help them and I need to restore them back. Right? They're, they're, I've probably taken some inheritance from people. I've probably taken um, some, some retirement funds from people. I need to restore this back. Right? I've probably taken bread off some people's table. I need, I need help. I need to do something about this. And so he, he wanted to give what he had just received. That's love and that's compassion. Right? We, we understand that no doubt. No doubt. Right? But here's something else that I, that I realized the first time I ever kind of, kind of just shocked me as I think about it. Zacchaeus' wealth represented his sin. Think about that for a second. All of the money that he had gathered, that represented his sin. And forever, if he had not gotten rid of that money, it would always be a reminder, hey, you have sin in your life, friend. And so what does Zacchaeus do? He says, I give half my goods to the poor. I can't, I can't keep it. He says, I, get, I, I can't keep it, and then I'm going to restore what I've taken from people fourfold. Now, I'm trying to do math in my head, and I'm thinking, you gave half away what you had, and then you're going to fourfold. Either you're really rich, or you're about to become really broke. You think about that for a second. Right, And so Zacchaeus, he realized in order to get rid of his sin, he had to get rid of his money. Ladies and gentlemen, as we discover who Jesus is, we hang out with him, we got to get rid of our sin. We can't keep things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. We got to get rid of our sin. And may we never just confess and do nothing about it. But like Zacchaeus, do something about our sin. And we spend time with Jesus, this is a perfect illustration we we'll, we'll can't help but want to get rid of sin. What has Jesus been convicting us about lately? What's going on in your life that shouldn't be there? Maybe you confessed it, yes. What are you doing about it? 
See, he discovered conviction. And then lastly, whew, my favorite point, he discovered conversion. He discovered conversion. The Bible says in verse number nine, and Jesus said unto him, and we see this, this day is salvation come to this house. For so much as also is the son of Abraham. You see, Zacchaeus in verse number nine discovered conversion. He discovered salvation. He discovered change. When Zacchaeus' thoughts and actions change, and we see this, we, we kind of, how do you go from uh, ripping people off and, and, and extorting people to, okay, well, I got to give to the poor and I got to give back everyone uh, what I've stolen from them. I don't know about you, but that's a 360. No, that's a 180. No, that's a 90. Oh, I'm getting, my, uh, I'm getting my angles mixed up here. But that's a turnaround. There you go, all right? That's a turnaround, okay? Uh, not a 360, okay? Uh, but that's a turnaround, right? His life was changed, man. We met Jesus. He discovered Jesus. Look, look at what, what happens to a guy that meets Jesus. A liar became honest. A greedy man became generous. You hang around Jesus and he'll do that to you. He'll change your life. You discover Jesus and he'll do that to you. He will change your life. Likewise, We'll be changed. We hang out with him, we'll be changed. We'll become a new creature, the Bible says. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We'll become new. We'll become a new creature. And so Zacchaeus, we see his conversion. What it, what, how, how was he converted? We see he was saved based on his faith. He was saved based on his faith. When he stood and he said, all right, I've heard enough, Lord. You know what he's saying? I believe. I believe you are him. I put my faith and trust in you, Jesus. I believe you are him. You are now my Lord. He's calling Jesus Lord, shows his faith in Christ. He was saved based on his faith in Christ. And we know that the Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. That not of works. It's the gift of God, not of, um, not of yourselves. And I switched that around here, but lest any man should boast. You know what I mean? It's not of us. It's not, it's not in, in the fact that he wanted to do something about his money. It's the fact that he trusted in Christ first. We see well, that was based on his faith in Christ. The preacher, famous preacher, Adrian Rogers once said, We are not saved by the plan of salvation. We're not saved by the Romans road, the Romans road friend. We're not, we're not saved by the verse John 3.16. We're not saved by the plan of salvation. We are saved by the man of salvation. Amen. We are saved by Jesus Christ. He is the one that saves us, and so he is the one that we place our faith in. I love that quote. We see Zacchaeus, he was saved based on his faith, and Zacchaeus was saved based on forgiveness that he would receive from God through Christ. Bible says, and Zacchaeus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. Christ's declaration is Zacchaeus does all of this and Christ starts to discern what's going on in Zacchaeus' heart. He declares, and with this declaration comes forgiveness. You're forgiven, friend. You're forgiven. You mean it. You're repentant. Your heart is right. You're forgiven. This day is salvation come. So Christ's declaration represented the forgiveness Zacchaeus would receive. We know it's only through Christ that we have forgiveness of sins, doesn't it? The Bible says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. 
Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Repent and, ba and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's only through Jesus that we have forgiveness. It's only through him that we can have forgiveness. Only through him that we can have forgiveness. And so we see Zacchaeus, he, his faith is in Christ. He, he receives forgiveness. We spend time with Jesus, we'll discover, hey, Jesus changes lives. I think about this story and all I can say is, praise God. Because I think about the Christ that, that I've received and I think, praise God. It's Thanksgiving time. Tis the season to be thankful. Praise God. Praise God for the fact that when we find Jesus, we can discover compassion. That we uh, find a man that sees us where we are and seeks us where we are. Praise God that we can discover certainty of the true Lord. Not ourselves, but the Lord that we should have our faith in. That we can find certainty that sin is wrong. That we can discover conviction and, and repent of our sins and turn our lives around and be changed. And there can be restoration in our hearts, but we can also then go about and help people to be restored in their lives. And then for his conversion, his salvation, praise God that we can have faith in Jesus Christ, that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. Praise God that we can be through, uh, forgiven through this son we call Jesus Christ. Praise God this morning. We will experience change by a Savior when we discover him. Biggest reason I say praise God is, you see in verse number 10. We haven't gotten there yet, huh? Verse number 10. This is one of the most amazing things I find about the Lord. Man seeks salvation from a Savior who seeks to give salvation to man. Think about that. Man is seeking salvation from a Savior Seeks to give salvation to man. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, we do not have a Jesus that a person comes to him and says, save me. And he says, oh, I don't know. You don't really deserve it. I mean, why should I? We don't have a God that's sitting in heaven and saying, oh, why should I, why should I hear your prayer? Oh, why should I do this? Uh, okay, I guess. No, friend, we have a Savior. We have a God that seeks us. We have a God that wants to give it to us. We have a God that, see, that, that has sought us um, at some point in our life and is seeking us actively every day, even right now. The Bible says, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In our sins, he was seeking us. No matter what, God is seeking us. And so it's not that he's going this way and we're running trying to catch him up, but he's coming this way and we're going this way. And if we're seeking him, we will find him. Seek and you shall find. And so I think that's, I, I love that about the Lord. I don't have to, to beg him. I don't have to, uh, to bribe him to save me. He wants to save me. Praise the Lord for that this morning. And so this morning, I, two things. I invite you as we bring this message to a close, I invite you to praise him this morning. I invite you to worship the Lord this morning. Uh, we call us the Sunday morning worship service. I invite you to do that this morning. Two ways. If you're saved, I invite you to worship and praise him for the compassion that you may have received. I invite you to worship and praise him for the certainty that you have for your soul, for the conviction that you found and the conversion for your salvation this morning. But then if you're not saved, and you maybe you're not even 100% sure that you are, I invite you to experience compassion.
I invite you to experience certainty. I invite you to discover the conviction and the conversion of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning.